Hello, world. <laughs> Good start. Bad start, but Bad. too late. There's no way to cut it. Rough. There is no way to cut it. And I think that is something that I definitely want people to know is that nothing that they are about to hear is going to be edited in any way. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and what I'm really exhausted with is, like, great production value. Production, editing, quality. I hate the sense when I'm listening to something that, like, a team of people spent time making it good. You know, what is good? Well, that's what I'm saying. What is good? Nothing. Nothing's good. All art is terrible. We're just adding to this pile of garbage. Yeah, but what makes us really special is that, like, we're, like, self-aware about it. Knowing that it's bad makes it good. Do you think that the whole idea of good art has been forced on us? Maybe some some shadowy institution out there is trying to force an idea of good art on us and we've just accepted it? We've bought it wholesale? Huh. Do you think that maybe museums are conspiring to make us believe that art is good for some sort of nefarious purpose? Well, I mean, it, it makes sense. Why do we go to museums? Why? Why do you go to museums? I don't. I mean, oh, gotcha. So you need me to, you need <laughs> me to weigh in. Explain. As, our, as our, uh, our museum connoisseur. I personally, I, I tend to go to museums when I am either forced to go to them or I like want whoever I'm with to think that I want to go to a museum. Like pretending you're an intellectual. Right. Because it's appealing to people. Yeah. It, you would be surprised by how many people in my life are always trying to get me to go to museums, which makes me think that maybe there are agents everywhere. Museum agents are everywhere, and they're trying to convince people. They're creating demand for their own product. So you're saying some of your friends, your family, acquaintances who have invited you to museums are in on the plot. Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. So the Mona Lisa, I mean, it was commissioned by, like, someone or other. But you're saying that it came from a museum with the intention of eventually putting it on display. I'm saying that I think that the Mona Lisa... When it was painted, right, pre-museums. Pre-museums. Because museums um, didn't exist until 1950, I think it was, something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think the 19, I think before the 1950s, you would be hard-pressed to find any evidence <laughs> of a museum existing. Ever. I mean, at least in the way that we're talking about. So, I think that prior to the 1950s, no art was created for the purpose of being good or being seen by anyone. It was just created because the creators were miserable. The creators were weak, and they couldn't cut it in their normal lives. So they have to turn to art. Right. Music, drawing, writing. Painting, sculpting. Being a ballerina. Being a ballerino. Doing tap dancing. Doing tango dancing. Circus performers. Cirque du Soleil. Clowns. Anyone sadder than a clown? Right. Most people who have ever lived in France. That's why they have so many museums now. Right. You know, you, I, I think clowns is an interesting thing. Like, you know, like, you know, the idea of the sad clown. I am Pigliacci or whatever it is. Right. Pigliacci right. is exactly. Pigliacci, yeah. Yeah. And I we're, th- so, we're so well researched. Look at us. Right. Um, I've seen Watchmen once. I have not watched Watchmen. Who watched this? Who Watchmen? Watched- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like. But anyway, continue. Yeah. So the idea of the sad clown is like people, like they look like really, they have painted faces. To conceal the tears. but To conceal the tears, but like deep down, they're these tortured souls. And I think that that is all artists prior to the 1950s were just... It's like the kid who who doodles in class instead of paying attention. You look at a kid in the corner 
who's drawing, do you ever think, man, that kid looks so happy right now? Right. So social, so excited. I mean, I was miserable. I was a miserable little child. But have you noticed that, that sometimes, like, a kid will be doodling in a corner, and, like, there'll be, like, a certain enlightened, I say in quotes, English teacher, probably played by Robin Williams in a movie, who comes over to the kid, notices that the kid's not paying attention in class, but sees what the kid is drawing and, like, tells the kid, like, I don't care that you're not paying attention to my lecture on Magellan circling the ocean because you have talent. One day, your work could be featured in a museum. Come join the Dead Poet Society. Right. Sponsored by the Smithsonian Institute. Always, yeah. They always get it in there. It's always, I mean, how many movies? Night at the Museum. Sponsored by the Smithsonian Institute. Sure. They actually built a museum based on the movie. Right, which was probably all a front to get another museum built. Night at the Smithsonian. When will it stop? How many are there going to be? How much history can there possibly be before there's, they're out of museums? They're creating their own history. The kid who doodled next to an English class, he's been, he's been drafted by the museums. Well, I was looking this up. Okay. The Smithsonian Institute was established on August 10th, 1846, quote, for the increase in diffusion of knowledge. Okay. Uh, quick, Google diffusion. Diffusion. Fusion. Spelled that wrong. Thanks, autocorrect. The spreading of something more widely. The diffusion of Duchamp's... Is it, is it Duchamp? I don't... I don't. Dif- right. Man, I'm like... Ro- I'm rocking these words I don't know today. <laughs> the diffusion of Duchamp's thought and art. Other words that are synonyms. Spread, dissemination, scattering, dispersal, circulation, distribution, transmission, broadcasting, promulgation. Do you know where else I hear literally all of those words used? Where? In the context of disease. I'm pretty sure every single one of those words was used during the Ebola epidemic. Scattering? I don't know about scattering. I think that if someone on TV said the scattering of Ebola, like, you know, Ebola has been has been scattered in a new country, I would raise my eyebrows, but I'd be raising my eyebrows with acceptance <laughs> at the use of that word. Which word? Spreading. No, wait, what was the word? <laughs> Your mind, it's a spattering. My, spattering. That could be a subliminal message. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's go back to that, to that, uh, the quote. The reason for the establishment of the Smithsonian Institute. For the increase and diffusion of knowledge. We know that diffusion, like an illness, they're spreading it far and wide. Increase means to make more of. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're making more art so they can spread the disease. Right. Which is what we've been saying. It's right there in their title. They have so much hubris that they they want to bait us with it. They want it right out there. They want us to read it. I also want to point out something really interesting uh, from an entological perspective. Yes. Which, entology, is that the study of words or is that the study of insects? Why are those words so similar? We're going we're gonna to put a pin in that. I think it's interesting that Smithsonian, right? Yeah. Think about what that means. Right, so we have the word smith, which we know is a uh, forge in which you create something. Sony, sun, right? And so the literal name Smithsonian is the creation of the sun. I mean, how arrogant can you be? Do you think you're God? You think you're, you, you're the Father? You think you created the mighty burning star around which we rotate and are just <laughs> mere denizens? Oh, so you you think it's legitimately talking about like the sun, the sun? Yeah, I think that they, I think that the Smithsonian, they are a a cultish institute that claims to be the gods, the creators, and the guardians of everything of knowledge, is, of all knowledge and creation. I, I found a little bit of a uh, 
kind of a kink in our theory so far, which is that in a scientific term theory, like we're not like, you know, crazy crackpot theory, but we're talking like a theory that we're compiling crackpot. evidence. Sorry, just thought you said it. So I thought I'd, um, I would like to remind everyone here that gravity is also a theory. So, but you know, you, if you really, if you want to question gravity, I suggest go, out, go outside and jump. Yeah. Go outside and jump up and down <laughs> in a see puddle. How that, see how that works for see you. See how unwet you are. The National Museum of Natural History was opened in 1910 to hold the National Collections and Research Facilities. So they were laying the groundwork for 50 years. For 40 years. 40 years. For 40 years, they were lying in secret, waiting their, their, their time to rise. And see, they say the word, they say for research purposes. What are they researching? What are, right, what are they researching? All of you listeners out there, have you actually talked with the Smithsonian people? Have you asked them what they're researching? Have you gone to the research facilities and toured them? Yeah. Have any of you personally... You listeners. You listeners gone and visited the research facilities of the Smithsonian, met with actual researchers... Perhaps a descendant of Mr. Smithson himself. And... Oh, you think that's where it comes from? I mean, it does. That that brings up another point. Is Smithson a real man? Or was that a cover for the idea of the, the creation of the sun? I think my idea about the creation of the sun is more interesting. So let's say it's a cover. All right. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. All right. I say idea, but I mean... I mean, I mean that is what is, the, that is, what is the, true. Yes. So what's the end game? Like, whenever you're talking about conspiracy, right? I mean, all the ingredients are there so far. Yeah. We've got the shadowy organization, we've got the the propagandizing of an entire culture. But what we're missing, the linchpin of this theory, is what is their endgame? Where are they going? What is their grand vision for society? Well, you know, most people would say a more educated masses. More knowledgeable. But educated and knowledgeable in what? The fact that, like, Goethe had a color theory. That I mean, how do you have a theory about color? Color is color. The right? fact that that Michelangelo was a was a glorified ceiling painter. I mean, let's be honest. His name was probably just Michael. Right. Michael. Michael was literally a house painter. <laughs> dude, Michael the house painter. Dude, just this dude. Just Smithsonian came on in and they just they invented a man. Right. They used him as a symbol for their nefarious ends. You know what it is? It's making us. Feel like there is a class of artistic betters out there. But you could be one, perhaps, if you're lucky enough to possess the genius. And then they force us, as mangy groundlings rolling around in the mud. Peasants. 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 They make us compete for their approval. It's like the Hunger Games. It's exactly like the Hunger Games. And in fact, I think that Suzanne Collins was trying to tell us something. Suzanne, if you're listening, we read you loud and clear. We hear you. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to tell us anything. No letters necessary. Suzanne, don't worry. We hear you and we got this, okay? We heard you, Suzanne. Suzanne, thank you. Suzanne? Thank you for your service. Suzanne? Su- Suzanne? Are you there? She's got the message. She, yeah. She heard us. She heard us. She's gone. She left. She, she's, she's off to write the next one. Now that she knows this one worked, it's time for a sequel. I think it is time for a sequel to The Hunger Games. <laughs> All of us have made it loud and clear that there hasn't been enough. Yes. <laughs> And that, I think, is probably the antidote to all of this, right? I know that we just said that we're going to, like, take over, take the reins from Suzanne. But if Suzanne already has laid all of this groundwork, like, the groundwork of the resistance, maybe the best thing that we can do is to just throw all of our force behind uh, Hunger Games sequel. Hunger Games sequel, and I think in general, reboots. Right. Recycling. 
to create new things implies that there's any need for it. We already have right, it. Which is their their idea. They're always like, oh, but there's always more history to discover. No, there's not. It's only like, what, two, like 2,000 years of human history? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack on that one. I feel like that's going to get me some hate. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, we're going to make a compromise. 5,000. There's like, we all know that there's like three actual legitimate artists out there, right? There's Shakespeare. Suzanne Collins. There's Suzanne Collins. And there's whoever built the pyramids. That guy. Everyone else, Michelangelo was a house Giza, Didn't Giza build it? I thought Giza was like the artist who built right. the pyramid. Like barehanded, by himself, carved out of marble. Right, the, uh, right the, there in the desert. They called them the old Giza? The old, the old Gizas. That's yeah. all three of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Including Suzanne. We knew there was three, but until recently, the third one was a mystery. Wait, what you're saying is that there are three old Gizas, <laughs> and one of the old Gizas is Giza? Yes. <laughs> so the three Gizas is Suzanne the Giza... Shakespeare the Giza. Shakespeare the Giza. And Giza the Giza. And Giza the Giza? Yes, exactly. Right. And we all know this, and this is fact, and everybody knows, if you're looking for the truth, that this is true. Right, there are three. Everybody else is a hack. So we should just all embrace that. Stop making new things and... Turn to these three. Just Hunger Games, Hunger Games, Hunger Games. That's all... Because, like, what What are we going to do? Build more pyramids? Yeah, write more Romeo and Juliet. We've all seen it. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Romeo dies in the end. And look, Titanic, everyone loved Titanic. It was just Romeo and Juliet again. I actually haven't. I actually haven't finished reading it. So, yeah. oh, I'm a little. I mean, I can't say that I didn't sort of know. You could see the the direction the plot was taking. Man, that must be really sad for her to have to go on uh, living without. Oh, uh, you'd be surprised. I think you're in for you're in for a treat. Oh, just okay. So there's still some surprises. There's left still for me. there's still some surprises still left some in the store. Now uh, I want to bring up another topic. He's so good. I know. It's easy to hear all of this and despair and feel like, man. A Smithsonian is, is everywhere. It's everything. They're in our schools. They're in our culture. They're in our art. They're in our history. What can we, the people, do? And there is one company that has stood up to them time and time again. Disney. And you may ask, why? What, what did Disney do? Aren't Disney like a big corporation? But think about it. All of Disney's works that he created when he was alive were just copying old folklore. He didn't make anything new. He just made Snow White. He made Cinderella. And then when it came time for Mickey Mouse to join the public domain and be taken and turned into this whole thing that Smithsonian could then, like, lap up and use, he said, no, no, I'm keeping it. You can't have it, Smithsonian. Public domain doesn't exist for me. He sent out his lawyers. Until now, they still haven't gotten Steamboat Willie. You're right. Steamboat Willie is on that steamboat still, and he is he is racing full speed ahead. And the Smithsonian's they after him, but they cannot catch they him. They cannot catch him. It is a high, high-speed boat chase right now. Every time they travel 10 feet, he travels 100 feet. You're right. They already got Shakespeare. They got him. He's gone. They could make a museum to Shakespeare and what could you do? But they can't create a museum to Mickey. Disney will, will destroy them. Yeah. You're right. Public domain is definitely the most corrupt <laughs> concept that has ever been created. And the only antidote are, are corporate lawyers. I mean... It's... Disney's... Specifically Disney's lawyers who really doing a bang-up job. So people, you have a choice to make. You can either go with Smithsonian or you can go with corporate lawyers. I think the answer is clear. And we know it's hard because... They're in your heads, too. They're in my head. I'm talking the whispers of... Sp- oh, they're free. It's all free. Except for the Museum of Spies. Oh, they definitely shut that one down. They didn't want us to know the truth. Because the thing about spies is... Spies learn the truth. It costs money to go in. I never got to go. And yeah. Then, I mean, I didn't go. because I'm just saying... I, I've never been to a museum. I'm just saying that was a whole museum of guys who knew what was going on. Of geese? Yeah, of geese. Of geese, of geese that knew who was going on. And you think it's a coincidence that they would shut that down? Cut off our access from the spies? I think Smithsonian, I think they already hear us. I'm just hoping that Suzanne hearing us 
will keep us safe from the Smithsonian series. Suzanne. Uh, Suzanne Collins. Suzanne Collins. Susan, Suzanne, Suzanne. <laughs> so let's recap. We got art. Who made it? Why is it there? Smithsonian to make more Smithsonian museums. Right, and eventually to create like an elite an elitist class system that we're all subject to. Uh, who's fighting against it? Suzanne Collins, Shakespeare, Giza, although they're dead now, but they were. Museum of Spies. Museum of Spies, they're gone. Uh, Hunger Games, I mean, they stopped making those for a reason. And not because they weren't amazing. I mean, I, people were clamoring to get into theater when that part two came out. I mean, I couldn't even get a ticket to it. I never saw it. Not because I didn't want to, but because it was always too busy. I wonder why. You're really fixated on, <laughs> on this, aren't you? Yeah. I think uh, that's really, that's the point, isn't it? Like, I keep feeling this desire to stop talking about it because it's stupid, but I feel like that's what they want me to think. I think that's exactly what they want you to think. And rest assured, no matter how stupid they try to make us feel like this podcast is, we are never going to stop. Ever. Um, and of course, Disney. Disney, thank you. Thank you for keeping the art away from the public. Thank you for making sure that no one could ever access it, even long after the creators were dead. Because of you... Steamboat Willie will always remain locked away in a vault. I think, I think what we're trying to say, Disney, is that you are above reproach, no matter what you do, who you cast and what role. We 100% support every single choice that you make. We are definitely going to go see all three live-action remakes you're making next year, and we call them live-action even though they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not. There isn't a single live actor. In Lion King. In The Lion King, so. But you know what, Disney? That's why we love you. That's why you guys are the top-earning entertainment company in the world. Does Disney release Hunger Games? Like, is Disney the ones who release those movies? Because it would definitely make this, really wrap this up in a nice little bow if that was true. They do not. That's even better. That means that there are two fronts. Two resistance fronts. What about Lionsgate? Who owns Lionsgate? It's, it's a gate. They're defending. Right. Or it is a scandal waiting to happen. <laughs> It was created by Frank Gusta and Avi Fettergreen. Oh, wait, I don't know those people. It doesn't matter anymore. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> we choose not to go down this road. I think we're just about wrapping this up. Yeah, I think you guys know. I think you guys have learned the truth about Smithsonian today. Yeah, we- and I think you guys know what you have to do, which is support Disney and everything that they do. And uh, don't go to your local museums and do nothing but read and watch Hunger Games over and over. Right. Do not support your local museum. <laughs> and kids. Do if if an adult comes up to you and tells you that they think that you have some kind of potential, artistic talent, something that can be fulfilled, something that's going to take you places, do not go. I repeat, do not go. Treat that adult. Run. Treat that adult like they are leading you by the hand into a white van. That might be a little far. <laughs> Unless that white van says Smithsonian on it. Well, of course, it's naturally, Smithsonian, the Smithsonian van. I'm I'm speaking, of course, of the famous fleet of white vans <laughs> owned by Smithsonian. I think. I think if you take all of those things, I think the world's going to be a better place for it. I mean, we're already halfway there. <laughs> right? Like, most of the stuff is already happening. We're just... Smithsonian's already losing. We're just we're just along for the ride. We're just recognizing that Suzanne Collins is the reason that education is failing right, in America. Right. The resistance is out there. Thanks, Suzanne. 